Okay, well, I wanted to share a little bit about my own encounter with John Calvin, but to only talk about my experience and interaction with him as an academic or an intellectual endeavor would be superficial and limited. I can see how the doctrines of grace are biblical. That's very clear. But I've actually had the opportunity to test this theology in the trials of my personal life, my own afflictions and tragedies. And I have found that it is a theology that works in rough going. Calvin has something to say to the brokenhearted because the gospel and the Bible have a lot to say to the brokenhearted. And I'm not just speaking in terms of the people that we're going to minister to one day. I'm talking about me. If we live in this world, if we interact with other people, and if we're seeking to be authentic individuals, then we're going to realize that we are sad and we're lonely and we're longing for heaven. And Calvin brings that realization to the forefront. But he doesn't just leave us there. He presents and continues on with the message of hope in Jesus Christ, and that's the gospel. And when I speak with people outside of our circles about what I'm pursuing in seminary, quite honestly, a lot of people see it as esoteric or irrelevant. And some theological study is this way, but the good stuff isn't. Calvin is real. His theology is personal because the gospel is personal. It goes beyond the cerebral and into the messes and floods of life, and it holds up well. And my seminary career has not been a smooth road by any means. And it hasn't so much been the classes many times that have been rocky as like the whole world surrounding the classes. And I've had a chance to put this theology to the acid test. What I've found in my own dark nights of the soul is that this is a theology that brings the greatest hope of God and his word in Jesus Christ. And it very clearly and simply shows how the gospel operates in my soul. And I am strengthened in my belief that God really is faithful and sovereign over all of the sometimes very crazy details of my life. The sovereignty of God that Calvin really stands on and banks on is a comfort when my world seems like it's falling apart. I like this quote from Calvin that says, the will of God is the supreme and first cause of all things because nothing happens but by his command or permission. We live in a very individualized, very me-centered culture, and Calvin even speaks to this. This isn't a depraved world. I, myself, am depraved. It's me, it's my heart, it's my motives. And that's the total depravity piece. And then there's the piece about limited atonement, which is to say that I, myself, am chosen and elect. And that's the sweetest news if I'm questioning if God really cares about me. He does. Um, Christ didn't just die for a fallen world in the general sense, he died for fallen me and for other specific fallen people, and his death accomplished what it set out to do. Despite my depravity, he really does love me with that special love, and that's unconditional, and I can't resist it. And even though I'm throwing my childish tantrums, there's nothing that's going to snatch me out of God's hand. He's going to keep me. He will see to it that I will persevere till the very end. And if this life seems rough, then I am clearly promised the joy of eternal life, and that's an irrevocable status. He's committed to it. He's going to keep me. And as academics, we can get really into the pattern of viewing things on a cerebral and a conceptual level and think that we're being really deep. And I think that the mental, the abstract level, especially when discussing the truths of God, is actually the most superficial. Philosophers that outline systems that are logical and orderly and even beautiful, but that are emotionally and practically impoverished, are not going to be around for the long haul. If we really know ourselves and our desperate 
need and and our personality and identity as depraved individuals, then we're going to need systems and explanations and truths that are going to go past the brain and into the bone and the marrow, and we're going to hang on to the systems that not only manifest order and beauty, which are characteristics of the divine himself, but that re really remain stalwart when the floods of life are threatening to overflow us. And Calvin helps me to see who God is. And through that knowledge, I then come to a realization of who I am, which then takes me back to a realization of who God is. And not just who I am, but who God intends me to be. And I realize that God's going to carry that intention through to completion. And that's a great hope for me. Calvin's also authentic in that he completely respects academic rigor, but he also lets God have his mystery. And he shows that the two don't have to be in any sort of opposition. He doesn't pretend to be able to access the mind of God. Um, he tells us that we don't have to hide that, but that we can even appreciate the whole space of the not knowing. But a lot of times I feel like I have to have all of the answers, like I have to always have the right thing to say. And Calvin has a good word for this and, and that kind of fear and pride. He says, far be it for any one of the faithful to be ashamed to confess his ignorance of what the Lord God has enveloped in the blaze of his own inaccessible light. And that actually makes me feel a lot better. And it makes Calvin a lot more trustworthy for me because I'm more likely to trust people who admit that there are things that we just simply cannot know. And he helps us to appreciate the divine mysteries rather than trying to dissect them or to dissect the divine being. It's the people that posture themselves as having things all figured out that are going to usually arouse my suspicion. Um, he appreciated unity and cohesiveness and mystery, and I appreciate that about him. And Calvin also makes theology fun. He makes it simple in a lot of ways, but never simplistic. It's comfortable and sometimes it's even humorous. Theology can get a really bad reputation for being boring or stuffy or splitting hairs unnecessarily, but Calvin really brings good theology to light. He handles matters of incredible gravity, deftly, delicately, and reverently. And I think that going back to how real he is, he appreciated what in life was kind of messed up and humorous and even screwy. And when we can see that and we can have a somewhat humorous look at it, I think it helps us to appreciate and serve the people around us who are just as depraved as we are. And I think that he's a model for how we should seek to do theology. He never multiplies words for the sake of sounding elevated. He practices a real economy there. I think it's good that we would ask ourselves as we're considering our research, is this useful? Is it useful for building up my reputation? Or is it useful for the encouragement and upbuilding of the people who will read it? And I'm not just talking about people in the church. I'm talking about other theologians, professors. They are no less brokenhearted or in need of an encouraging word than any of us are. And so I think that theology should always be clear, enjoyable to read, because it speaks the most beautiful truths of God. And it helps bring that holy food to our souls that are very much starving. He wasn't afraid to go head to head or even to go on the offensive at times. And he's inspirational to me because a lot of times I just feel overcome by fear or intimidation or I feel inadequate to present the truth of the gospel. And when I'm afraid um, that I'm going to offend somebody, I think about Calvin because he just doesn't seem to be worried about that. Diplomacy is important, but so is a little bit of moxie. And when we learn the truths, then we pray for the Holy Spirit's leading, and sometimes it's time to just kind of let that fly. 
Calvin had a lot of enemies in his days, and I really hate conflict. But I think that if I'm going to live out something that's as, as offensive as the gospel is, then I should expect to have a few enemies. And if I don't, then maybe I'm not being as authentic as I think I am. Um, Calvin was preaching and teaching and writing the offensive truth of the gospel every day of his life. And people hated him for it, and they hate him today. But I think it's a sign of a truly powerful individual, and more importantly, of a truly powerful message. If Calvin's message didn't mean anything, it, it would have passed away. He's a hero of the faith. He didn't just develop a theology, he lived it. Calvin would always be interesting and worthy of study, but I don't think that's why he's so popular today, why we're celebrating him at the 500th anniversary, or why I find him so personally intriguing. John Calvin, in addition to systematizing the truth of the Bible to the contours of the mind, also makes these truths directly applicable to the heart. And if I fail to consider how this is operating in my life on the ground level, then I really limit the depth and impact of his thought. So as much as I like the studying of Calvin in the classroom, it's actually my life experience with the doctrines of grace that made me a fan. And before Calvin died, he, he humbly confessed this quote, I say again that all that I did has no value and that I'm a miserable creature. But if I could say what I truly wanted to, that my vices always displeased me, and that the root of the fear of God was in my heart, and you can say that I was what I was subjected to was good, and I would pray that you would forgive me of the bad, but if there is anything good, that you conform yourselves to it and follow it. And I think that's what we're trying to do here.